2: And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance, and happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. And and you know, work-life balance is something that I promote uh, greatly, but I'm having a tough time balancing that this week as I'm home for about all of 12 hours uh, before I hit the road again. But uh, for those of you that listened last week, you, you knew what the schedule was, uh, but just got back to Birmingham about three hours ago. Uh, coming in from Chicago, where I just got to witness uh, greatness uh, at its peak. Uh, got to see Wayne Brady uh, do Aaron Burr in Hamilton, and and wow, did that did he and and the whole cast. I mean Miguel, uh, who played Hamilton, I uh, got to see uh, Ariana play um, uh, Eliza, and and just the just the whole crew was amazing. But uh, you know. Uh, you guys know my passion and love for Wayne Brady, uh, who I've known for years. But uh, you know, I, th- there's a particular song. So if I can just go on a side note for just a second, particular song that that I knew that he was going to sing um, called "Dear Theodosia." I knew it was his favorite song to sing because of, of his passion for his daughter Miley. Um, and you know, everybody that that has heard me talk on the show knows about uh, my connection to my father, uh, whom I lost when I was 19. Uh, And I talk about it in my book, No Day But Today. And so um, there's a particular line that says, you know, my father was not around. I promise I'll be around to you. And so if you've read my book, No Day But Today, uh, I talk about being a present father and and what that means to me. And boy, when he laid that line down, it was over. I was done. I was in tears. Um, And when he was performing that song and I knew what it meant to him, and I could see him tearing up on stage, and look, I, I was done. So we, got, we, we had a great time, got to visit with Wayne. Afterwards, I didn't get a, a chance to spend a whole lot of time with him uh, because we had a five-hour drive right after the show to make it to Des Moines, Iowa, uh, where I got a fantastic chance to uh, spend some time with the Des Moines uh, chapter or Central Iowa chapter of PMI. And, and we spent lunch with them, and I got to speak uh, to that chapter. Uh, and and share in the knowledge of project management with them and then it was right back to Chicago back on a flight here to Birmingham in which tomorrow we're turning around and headed to Orlando uh, for the international event uh, with the John Maxwell team so we'll be in Orlando all week next week uh, back home for a little bit and then off to uh, Atlanta and then South Carolina next week so always a lot going on uh, here at r Square Consulting, and you always can follow us there at rsquareconsulting.com and rickamorris.com. Follow us at the events page there and find out what's going on. But for anybody that has the opportunity to go catch that Hamilton cast in Chicago, make a special trip, make it a vacation, uh, you cannot miss that show. I mean, I've seen a tremendous amount of Broadway. Uh, I am a Broadway geek, and I have never witnessed anything like I saw uh, there in Chicago. It was fantastic. Uh, today, um, I, I've been teasing the show for a couple of weeks, and then we had uh, a scheduling snafu uh, that, that I'm going to take uh, credit for, and I'm so excited to have this gentleman on. I found him. Um, I went after him. I, I, I emailed him several times. And I'm so excited to have him on the show. Uh, this gentleman is very, very passionate about raising up great leaders around the globe. Uh, he's a business entrepreneur, a speaker, a sought-after leadership advisor, author, longtime president of a group called Catalyst which is largely credited with growing the organization into one of the largest and most recognized leadership brands and gatherings of young leaders in, in the United States. And so for over 10 years, he's led Catalyst and convening hundreds of thousands of young leaders through high-energy experiential conferences across the United States and garnered the reputation as a convener of America's most respected leaders. And this includes you know, one of my mentors and somebody I look up to uh, quite a bit in John Maxwell, Andy Stanley, um, somebody who I've gotten to meet and, and work with, and somebody I miss dearly, and Pat Summit, uh, John Wooden, uh, Jim Collins. You know, Somebody else I, I get to work with quite a bit is Peyton Manning, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Seth Godin, Tony Romo, Coach K, Mark Burnett, Tony Dungy. I mean, the list goes on and on. Prior to running Catalyst, he worked with a legendary, uh, legendary leadership author, John Maxwell, within the Maxwell Company and Giant Impact, as well as executive producing large simulcast and stadium events. He continues to inspire leaders by speaking at conferences and events around the world and now has more than two decades of experience in helping advise and work alongside thought leaders leaders, CEOs, business executives, entertainers, entrepreneurs, and professional athletes. In 2013, he published his first book, The Catalyst Leader, and his second book, and the one that I'm really excited to talk about, is called H3 Leadership, Be Humble, Stay Hungry, and Always Hustle. He released that in late 2015. He's a prolific content creator, and for several years he hosted his own Catalyst uh, podcast, interviewing changemakers from across the globe and attracting hundreds of thousands of listeners per month. Additionally, he frequently blogs about leadership, the next generation, innovation, teamwork, and more on his website, which has been featured in Time, Washington Post, Fast Company, Business Insider, CNN.com, Inc., Fox News, Relevant Religion News Services, and others. Which you may not know, though, is for several years he rode horses. Uh, and was a ranch foreman in the mountains of Colorado. He played American football in Australia and New Zealand and was once in a rap group. And, and what he may not know is I am an intense researcher, and that rap group was called Oreo, and he was Cream L. And so I, I, I got you on that <laughs> one, partner. So I'd love to bring him on right now and, and see. He wasn't ready for that, but let's bring on Brad Lomanick. Brad, how are you doing, sir?
3: I'm good, Rick. Man, that I need you to – can I just – can I just get the copy of you reading that? I'm going to take that with me wherever I go.
2: Please do, man. Please do. In fact, uh, what you may not know is this show is podcasted as well. It's out there for recording and you'll get uh, access to this as soon as we're done. So, Brad, I'd uh, love to have you on the show and and let's let's talk about some of these names that we have in common first. Uh the legendary and late great Pat Summit. I mean, how awesome is she?
3: Yeah, amazing. And uh what was fun about uh Pat Summit and John Wooden? We When I was working with John Maxwell and we, another event, not Catalyst, but another event we put on for several years, we had Pat and John Wooden together, Pat Summon and John Wooden, which was the first time, I believe, that they had ever, uh, you know, been at at an event together. And so we had them sign about 100 basketballs, and I still have a copy of one of those basketballs with both of their signatures, which there's only 100 of those that exist in the world, it was amazing to have, you know, arguably the two most legendary basketball coaches in the same room, hanging out. And, uh, you know, you know, this, uh, I didn't know this cause I'd never met him, but the real deal. I mean, I love it when you have these legends, right. And you meet them and everything about them that you hope is true actually is true when you finally meet them in person. So just incredible he, uh... teachers, incredible coaches, amazing. It was an amazing experience
2: yeah I actually have uh, part of the court right behind me here on my desk that was signed by her. I, I actually got a, a a chance to attend the university and play for the University of Tennessee. Uh, I played volleyball for for them and so we got the gym after women 's basketball and uh, if you ever had the icy blues is what we call it if you ever had the icy <laughs> blues stare at you 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 knew you uh Was there. And what she was legendary for, and what I loved about her, was her passion, not only for for her work ethic, but for everybody's that represented her organization. And that's something I took with me in my leadership style. And so she frequently took over practices for other sports teams. That represented the university, so she took it over for us a couple of times when we were dogging it and, and not exactly living up living up to the standards that she believed that the University of Tennessee should hold. She took over men's basketball. She took over a football practice one time, and and you know what? When she did it, you you allowed it, and you did what she said. So um, loved her. And, and Peyton, when when did you work with Peyton?
3: Uh, that was another event. Uh, he was he was a speaker. We actually had him and Archie both. And that was fun to have them together and did a little interview with both of them on stage together and talked about, you know, lessons of fathers, to sons. And so a lot of these people, obviously, uh, when, you know, my involvement with them has been with putting on conferences. And that's that's one of the ways that I've been really fortunate to be able to connect and, and be able to have a, have a, a you know a, whether it was a few minutes or, or hours or days with some of these leaders, and you start to soak up all the stuff that they're that uh, I believe makes them great. And you know that that's one of for, that's for me one of the things. I, I, I one of the realizations for me early on was that um, you know when I'm around those kind of people, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna soak up every ounce of their wisdom, of their knowledge. The way they do things, they're excellent, and you know. So I, many times, I, people say, "Hey, where do you learn stuff? You learn, and where you know, where do you get your inspiration?" Like, man, everybody—not just those kind of people, but everybody I'm around—I'm always trying to learn from and be a really curious person that is constantly finding things in others that I can then uh, pass on to others. You know that—that's that, one of the things Maxwell taught me. If you know, and you know, John. Uh, John is one of the most curious people in the room. You know, when he walks into a room, he starts asking questions and gets his, gets his yellow pad out. So I want to try to be that same way.
2: Yeah, there's there's advice that, uh, well, in, in, in the podcast, and just so you know, it's coming. It's coming in our last segment because I'm going to ask the same question of you. So I'll go ahead and give you a primer. And it's something that I've carried on to this podcast. But uh, the piece of advice that John had shared with me And something that uh, I've taken with me and, 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 you know, I did it with, with Wayne uh, last night and I've known Wayne Brady for years. Um, But, you know, when we get this opportunity to meet people and meet people that are at the top of their craft, you know, so many people. And and I, I took a step back when I was on, uh, you know, I was backstage with Wayne Brady and I was watching all these people meet Wayne and it was all, you know, can I have your autograph and, and can I get your picture taken? And, and, you know, John gives this advice of, you know, when you have that moment with, with people that are at the top of their craft, it's not about autographs and picture taking. It's, uh, ask the two questions and it's first, you know, what's the best advice you've ever been given. And so that question's coming your way, Brad, in the last segment. And the other question is, who do you know that I should know? Mm -hmm. And I, it's so, it was so funny. We were leaving, um, a conference that I was at with John, and I got a chance to run into Lou Holtz. And I mean, just a month ago, I would have, all I wanted would be a picture with Lou Holtz. And I walked up to him and, and instead, instead, said, you know, I was trying to get time with him. And he, all he was trying to do was get a Coke at, at, a, <laughs> at a gift shop. And I said, well, if I buy this Coke, can I escort you to your gate? And Uh he just looked at me and said, "Sure." And I got to ask those two questions of him, and it was one of the most fantastic conversations I had in a long time.
3: So, uh, back to Wayne Brady, by the way, I I am a huge fan as well. I've never met Wayne Brady, but I I love him on Whose Line Is It Anyway. I mean, what one of the that's who we're talking about, right? Or is this a
2: different? That's correct. Yep, the same Wayne. Yes, sir.
3: Yeah, Uh, I mean, he's just he's one of the funniest guys out there, but he's so talented. He's like the triple threat. He can he can communicate. He can he can act, and he he's he's funny, you know. I mean, he all, and and he can sing. Maybe the quadruple threat. The guy is insanely talented. So what? How how did that relationship get started? I got to know. I I, am not aware of the background on that one.
2: Well, Wayne and I actually went to high school together, and so we've been wow. friends all our lives. And uh, it's something. And then we we fell out of touch and ran into each other in Las Vegas. When I was there for a business conference and he had his show um, making stuff up at um, in at the Venetian. And so we struck our friendship back up again and have been in touch ever since. And now, uh, again, when I'm ever at business, wherever he's at. So I have a client in New York City and he's doing Kinky Boots uh, on Broadway. We we find a way to see each other. And I'll catch his show and, and have a chance to visit. And so I was... Doing a speech uh, uh, just a few hours away, and had to catch Hamilton, and 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 that's how we do things. But uh, he's always so gracious with his time, and, and uh so wonderful, uh, wonderfully humble, which um, mm. is is something that's attracted me to your book. Right? Is as, as um, you know, I was searching and looking for people that I found interesting to have on the show. There, there's words that that are trigger points for me, and um, you know. People ask us what I think, or ask me what I think is is uh, secrets to success, and and I say I'm not in the smartest in the room, but I'm certainly one of the most hungry. Um, mm-hmm. And humility and humbleness is something that you know I'm trying to teach my kids at all times, and I, I tell them that that I'm not the smartest, but nobody's going to outwork us. Nobody's nobody's going to get into the office sooner or leave later than than what we do. And so when I saw your book, be humble. Uh, stay hungry, always hustle. I was like, I have to know this gentleman. I have to know where that came from, and all about it. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about when we come back on the other side of this break. We're talking to Brad Lomenick. You're listening to Rick Morris on the Work Life Balance.
0: Every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy.
2: And we're back to the work-life balance. We're meeting with uh, Brad Lomanek, and he's written a book called H3 Leadership, Be Humble, Stay Hungry, and Always Hustle. And I was just talking uh, to Brad, that you know, those are, I mean, just that phrase alone, right? The, the, the title of the book had me hooked. But let's talk about the book a little bit, what inspired you to write it, and just really what it's
3: about, Brad. Sure. Well, you know, over the years of running Catalyst, uh, which, you know, was basically an event-driven and a conference-driven movement of young leaders – Uh, we had a bunch of interns that would work there and they would always show up and want to know sort of the secret to leadership. And my answer was always, was always those three H's, you know, I mean, uh, I've, I've, I've had that sort of as my leadership mantra for the last 20 years of humble, hungry hustle. And, uh, you know, the, the key on those Rick is I think they have to be in balance. Um, I know a lot of people who are incredibly humble that don't do anything and they don't accomplish anything and they're not willing to work hard and, Uh, you know, they have a good posture of themselves, but they, they don't, they don't execute. And then I know a lot of people who hustle and it's all about them and they're out to get theirs and, you know, they're, they're incredibly ambitious, but they have no humility. Um, so these have to be in balance and the hunger really is, I think, the connection point between a posture of humility and, and a, and really living out this idea of hustle. So I, I want to be a leader who, puts all these into practice. And and in the book, we we have 20 habits that are all broken down within these three big buckets that are the game plan, you know, really the playbook of how you live this out.
2: And of the 20, what would you say are your top two? I know it's tough. I know it's tough. Yeah, it is. You have 20, but what would you say are kind of the top two that you gravitate towards?
3: Well, let me give you three real quick, if I can, because I'll give you one in each bucket. Um, in the, in the humility category, I really believe that authenticity is such a huge currency of leaders today. And just this premise that you, you're leading from the true version of yourself. And it's really easy for a lot of us to try to fake it. Um, the old days of leadership, it was, it was hide everything, you know, only put a perfect perception out there of yourself. And I think today, especially with the younger generation, um, they have a really strong filter for, you know, for seeing through that. And so authenticity is just really, really important. If you're going to have impact, if you're going to make a difference, if you're going to lead people, you have to be willing to uh, not only be the truest version of yourself, but also be willing to um, be real and vulnerable with your team. So that's, that's one under the bucket of humble. I think in and Hungary, it, I, I just, I love the idea on, curiosity. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I don't mean to stop you there, but you no, just
2: you, you struck an absolute nerve with me, and in, in something that I want to caution people who who read a ton, uh, and it's something I do in my seminars as well. But it's also the authenticity is is something that I preach as well, and I love it so much that you said that, and, and I think you're you're now my favorite spirit animal. Um, <laughs> just um, well, I, I think one that you and I just absolutely have to meet in person now. It's just it has to be a done deal, but the authenticity side of it in it I think it's so important because so many people read Maxwell and and Simon Sinek and Patrick Lencioni and you know Tony Dungy books and Dave Ramsey books and in your book right and hopefully they read mine and 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 what they do is they just blindly apply it without being authentic to themselves and right. and what they have to realize is that that's our advice but you can't go in you can't read Brad Lomanick's book and then speak as Brad Lomanick They've mm-hmm. got to speak as who they are through their own lens with your advice behind them. or it isn't authentic. And I think that that's just a danger that people do. and And I tell a story where, you know, I had my boss, you know, come in and try to motivate me by reading a Jack Welch book, but but he didn't have Jack Welch's authenticity behind him, and it didn't go well, right? And so I yeah. just I, I just love that point that you made, but please go go ahead.
3: Well, it, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, Pat Lincioni says, you know, the old days of of uh, of leadership were never let people see you sweat. Um, it was, you know, fake it till you make it. Um, make sure they don't see the pit stains. And he said he he would say this about authenticity today. You know, sort of the premise is you walk in as a as an authentic leader. And you sh- you just raise your arms and go, guys, check it out. You know, look at these stains. Can you believe these stains under my arms? And, and that's that's a new way to see your your role as a leader, which is your your posture is one that says I, I'm going to lead from the true self of my, of who I am, and and I want you to know that person too. Uh, and you're right. Like the more I'm around leaders who I admire, the more I struggle with that. And it, you know, I have to continually be reminded that. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a kid who grew up in a small town in Oklahoma. I got a, I got a lot of redneck in me. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a knucklehead at my core. Um, and, and I, I've been given lots of opportunities, but, you know, it's really easy to be, to be deprived of reality as a leader. And the higher you go up the ladder of influence and power, the more you get removed from those places of realness. And, you know, so part of our premise has to be that we keep reminding ourselves and pushing ourselves back in into the place of being authentic. Um, I, what I was going to say about, about hungry, at least one habit that I love, and we talked about it earlier is curiosity. And I just, I think the, the quote, you know, of John Wooden that says, it's what you learn after you know it all. That's what really counts. And I love leaders who I'm around who are at the top of the food chain, but they walk in with into any room, any environment, any situation with a premise of bull skin out or, or, you know, in Maxwell's case yellow pad out and they're 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 showing up with that sense of I, I may be the i may be the man or the woman but i still can learn more and and that's the kind of leader i want to be i want to be just constantly asking great questions you know it's not about the answers you give it's about the questions that you that you ask so that's one for for hunger you know you, ne- you never arrive you never you never get to the finish line with without that pen and hand and moleskin out, um, on the hustle side, I, I think execution is is for any leader today. Uh, man, if gosh, uh, the the most valuable person on the team of any team is the person who takes things across the finish line. So it, it, you know, and you want you want to you want to be do, you want that to be done well. You want to have excellence um you, you want to be faithful with the with the role you have but man cross the finish line execute things make things happen um be an anticipator be somebody who is who who you know in ultimately you seek you seek forgiveness on the backside of doing something instead of constantly waiting on somebody to give you permission um those are the people I want on my team I want somebody who walks in and says hey Brad by the way I went ahead and took care of three or four things here that I knew you probably needed done is that okay And I just look at them and, and I'm like, you are now the greatest team player that has ever existed because you're, you're willing to move things down the field. And, you know, so many organizations have so many projects and you know, this, you're a project management guy, so many projects sitting at the 50 yard line and they got it halfway down the field. And now it's just decaying over in the corner. No, take it to the finish line, get it in the end zone, you know, score the touchdown, hit the home run. What, Whatever analogy you want to use, but those kind of leaders and those kind of people on teams are by far, I think, today, especially in an age of free agency, and so many of us are side hustling, and we're like entrepreneurial, and we're starting things on our own. We have to do that. Otherwise, it just doesn't happen. So this is a huge characteristic uh, today and going forward for leaders.
2: I, and I agree with that, and, you know, as I, especially with young people and, you know, I, I, I watch my kids and, and try to look at, you know, what am I developing in them now? And, and am I setting them up for success in the future? And, you know, and, and you look at people and, and say, are leaders developed or, or, you know, are they trained? And, and I try to think back as a kid, you know, what, what was I doing at their age? And, you know, I tell the story in the book of, you know, I got this thing in the mail, and it was it, it was straight up child labor. It's exactly what it was, but they, they sent this thing out that said you could get whatever. It was a prize. It was a microscope. The first thing I got was a microscope. But you know, it was seventy five items. If you if you sold door to door, you get this microscope, and of course it never worked. But it didn't matter. I <laughs> wanted the right. microscope. And I was selling wrapping paper, you know, Christmas wrapping paper and gift cards in the middle of July. But I went door to door and, you know, I I selected the prize I wanted and decided that's what I was going to get. And I went door to door until I got it. And that was it. I was like seven years old. And that was the beginning of the entrepreneurial spirit. But it was the hustle side of it, right? It was the execution of going after it. That's what I wanted. Um, And, you know, you look at that was a problem. I found the solution. I went and got what I wanted to get. And now it's like, you know, my kids are like, like you know, can I get this app? And I'm like, yeah, but what are you willing to do for it? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, exactly. what, what, what are you willing to pick up and do additional around the house or whatever to go satisfy the need of what, what it is that you want? And I feel like I'm being somewhat of a, I don't know, like a, a labor union guy for that. But at the same time, uh-huh. you know, I want that work ethic.
3: Yes. And and I think that, you know, again, the proper posture of hustle is you're willing to work hard when needed. It it doesn't mean that you redline your life all the time Uh, because that's dangerous. I mean, that there are seasons of hustle. Um, And and one of the things that I tried to be really uh, intentional about in, in the book and just my definition of hustle, it also, you know, hustlers are also people who are incredibly generous, Hustlers hustlers are people who create margin in their life. They actually, they have margin that that creates Sabbath and that creates like a a sense of rhythm in life and rest. And it's it's not it's not that you constantly just redline your engine, and then all of a sudden you're ten years into the journey and the whole system just shuts down. You know, like there are seasons to redline. You work hard when you need to. You get things done but it's, it's the sense that, you know what, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And that's, I think that's the, the proper way to view this idea of hustle is that I, I will work hard when I need to. I'll help. I'll make sure things get finished. They get completed. They get pushed across the finish line, but I'm also incredibly generous and I'm willing to give back. And I, have a sense of legacy. You know, I'm, I'm faithful with the assignment. So many young leaders, Rick, you know, one of the biggest things right now with 20 somethings is that they're looking at this season saying this season is a waste because of the season I want next. And yeah. the response to that has to be no, the season you're in now is actually the most important season you find yourself in. The assignment you have right now, today. And I, I don't care if it's you're an intern or you're you know, a lower level manager or you're a project manager or you're a barista at Starbucks or you're you know, an accountant who's got the lowest level, uh, you know, account in the organization. Doesn't matter. Like the way you get ahead, the way you get that next opportunity is that you crush it in the now. Like you crushing it in the now is what sets you up for the next. And a lot of young leaders today, they, they they're thinking about the next with all the eggs in that basket and they're basically just putting off the now. And that's, that's a bad strategy for, for getting ahead and for actually succeeding. Uh, and so much of that again is, is we've short circuited the process and we feel like that, you know, by the time I'm 28 or 29, I have to be Mark Zuckerberg and I have to have started the latest, you know, greatest social innovation company or social media company and not all, not, nobody's going to be Facebook. Or very few of us are ever going to do that, but there's a lot of 29 year olds now today that are, that are in at home in the basement depressed because they had this dream on their life and they didn't accomplish it in three or four years in their twenties. And now they're giving up. And the response that we have to give back to them, uh, you know, is to say, Hey, I understand you got a big, you got big things on your life, but you know what? It may just require that you go and get a job. That's going to be your first step towards faithfulness and towards being a leader is that you just go and like prove yourself in a, in, a, in a role that you feel is under you. And that's, we have to teach people that today, you know, used to that was normal. Uh, it was it was the way we climbed the ladder, but today that's not normal thinking necessarily.
2: I totally agree. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be back with Brad Lomanick. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
0: It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today: software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you, turn left ahead, the digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto-drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com.
1: Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guests today, we'd love to have you call into the program. At 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the work life balance.
2: And we're back in the work life balance. We're talking with Brad Lomanek, and he runs Catalyst. And, uh, and really mentors young people all over the world. And, and as we're talking about that and talking about just attitudes, and I, I, I knew when I was growing up, um, I just worked, man. When, when I was 15 years old, I got a job washing dishes and, and worked my way up. I, I started in IT and worked my way up. And there was even periods, though, that I had to come down and work down. I you know, I had, had worked uh, as a consultant and, and w- was you know successful very young. Uh, and was missing my family. So I decided to come off the road, Brad, and, and, uh, try to, you know, get back some of the time I was missing with my kids. And right after that, my wife lost her job. And so, uh, we went from two very sizable incomes and I had taken a pay cut to, to come off the road. And I was running a, a, a large uh, project office for a bank, but I wasn't, you know, making consultant money and my wife had a good job, but then she lost that. So all of a sudden, you know, we needed income. And it literally she lost her job Tuesday. By Friday, I had a job um, selling lawn and garden at Sears and was delivering wings uh, on the weekends. I mean, you you just there's no question. You just work. You just do what you have to do to provide for your family. And there was no ego. I mean, again, i, I would I would be arguing over you know a four hundred million dollars transaction or or managing a billion dollars of, of portfolio projects, you know from nine to five. And from five to nine, I'd be selling you a two hundred dollar lawnmower for commission. It just it, it is what it is. But I feel like you know these days, maybe some of our younger generation would would have taken that opportunity and just held out for that management position. You know what I mean? was like yeah, I don't know if that ego or attitude is the same. is that a generational thing? Is that an ego thing? I mean, what do you think that is?
3: I think it's a little bit of both, Rick. And you know, one of one of the one of the challenges that um, we have to always think as, as older leaders, uh, and I'm an Xer, so I'm kind of a transition and I'm a translator between, uh, generations, but, um, you know, one of the things we have to always remember is that, is that we, we lead like we were led and then we, we, and then we lead like we were led, you know? So, um, we can't expect a generation coming up to do something or to act a way that they've never seen sometimes. And, uh, so that modeling, mentoring, coaching, speaking into their lives is so important. And some of some of this is our fault. You know, some of some of the issues we have with with those in the Gen Y or Gen Z coming up are are because of the way they've been parented. You know, what I mean, if we're really honest, um, now that also there's another side of that, which is the generation that exists, especially those in their 20s. They've grown up. Thinking that everything is going to be short circuited. So by 25, 26, 27, I should have started the next great social innovation company. And that is a, that's a mindset that exists with every young leader I know, which is, hey, I'm going to do something significant with my life. I have a global mentality. Uh, everything is possible today. I can do anything I want. The sky is the limit. Therefore, I'm going to achieve massive things. And now if I don't, it's, and even by the time I'm 30, my life now is a disaster. Uh, I've failed and that's why you see so many again, so many 28, 29 year olds, 31 year olds that they've, they've given up on the dream because it didn't, it didn't happen in five years. And now all of a sudden life is just a disaster. Uh, so we have to, we have to help them walk through that. You know, where the old days was, it was, Hey, you get in there and work hard, and you don't expect anything until maybe you're 40 or 45 uh, when you when you hit the middle of life. So, I love the I love the inspiration of the next generation. I love the fact that they do believe that dreams do come true and that they can do anything. Uh, but we have to help them. Really, we have to help them, Rick, with failure. They don't know how to fail. They they don't know how to lose. I, I was just down at the University of Texas a couple of months ago um and hanging out with their athletic department and I said what's the biggest issue with incoming incoming freshmen of any sport at this university and the one thing that all the coaches said was they don't know how to lose that one loss feels like the end of the world to them wow. because they've grown up in a in a in a society and a culture in a you know with with, with the idea that everything is going to be a win for them so I think one of the things we have to do is we have to help people, help younger leaders figure out how to fail and fail forward and, and be willing to fail and learn from it and move on and actually get better and keep, you know, climbing up and to the right. That, that's one big thing.
2: You know, I read a study, and it, it, it's interesting to me because it's very personal to me. But, you know, I, I luckily missed the generation where everybody got a trophy. Um, I, I'm just <laughs> right. just yeah. before it. Um, and what was interesting to me, though, is I read a study that said most of the executives, most of the CEOs and CIOs um, were on a team that should have won that didn't. And, and I, I am trying to find the study again, and I can't get it, so I can't cite the source. Um, but they were talking about this winning culture and everybody getting a trophy, but that there was a large amount of executives that were in this study – and they were asked, were you ever on a winning team or were you ever on a losing team? And most of them had cited a painful loss. And, mm. and I, ref- I reflected on that. In coming up in high school, um, I was on three state-favored win you know, teams that, that were supposed to win state that didn't. We fell short and was never on a winning team until I was in college. And, but that pain of a loss and, and a very painful loss uh, made me work harder. Made sure. me want to never feel that way again. And so from a psychological standpoint, that's always stuck with me. It's like I I never want to feel that painful loss. And even though it was very painful at the time, it made me want to work harder. And so I've always just kept that in the back of my head is, man, we, we need to have these kids feel that pain. Right? I, I yeah. want them in, in – in, uh, luckily you know i i coach youth football here in, in alabama where it's pretty dug on serious and uh we had our our youth football team here we we've won the 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 title three years in a row and they just had their first painful loss so i'll be interested to see how they come back from that but
3: well it's that's not, a, it's not just it's not just the winning part anymore i mean it, it's the um it's that that or i'm sorry it's not just that everybody gets a trophy anymore it's the i've never lost part you know that's well, but, so think about the gaming world. You know, think about the the competition of the um, video game phenomenon that this this generation coming up has grown up with. Which is, I never lose at video games. Now, I I may have to start over the game, but at some point I dominate. I like achieve success on that video game. So even the video game idea that that at some point I'm going to basically achieve the ultimate success at this, at this competition, um, that is also feeding into this. And, you know, a lot of us are trying to figure out how to help young, especially 20 somethings and those in their teens now (laughs) actually understand the difference between gaming and reality. Uh, and that's never existed before. You know, I mean, I grew up and you probably grew up too. Like, you know, we, we were, we, games weren't pervasive for us in terms of video games. It was part of, what we did for entertainment, but it, you know nowadays kids are are spending five six hours a day. some studies are saying uh playing video games and you know so there's just a lot of things that are that are feeding into this, and you know my one piece of advice for for a lot of us who are older is don't just assume that young leaders are are, are lazy don't just assume that they they are entitled a lot of them are, but a lot of them aren't, and you know they love and they they are so so, so, so hungry for being mentored. Um, they may not act like it. They may not give you the body language or the signs that you would like to receive in order to, you know, to to be that they're open to that, but they are so hungry to be coached, to be mentored, um, to be poured into. You know, so part of our job is still the same. It's always been true, which is we pass on what we learn. We pass on what we learn. We pass on what we learn. So, don't be afraid to do that. You know, they, they may be more aware and knowledgeable of technology and they may have things that they can find way quicker than you can. And they may be able to shut up a phone way faster and they may be able to, you know, find seven new apps in five seconds, but they still need to be coached, right? They still need to be mentored.
2: That's very interesting. I didn't even think of the video game angle. Yeah. That, uh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Well, or if they begin to lose, they just quit and start over.
3: And exactly. It's, it's not yeah. a loss. It's, it's a start over. It's a, oh, well, I'll just, I'll just, you know, hit the, hit the reset button. And uh, the reset mentality is, is, is that I never actually lose. I just keep That's playing. And all of a sudden, you know, that, that, that becomes part of your reality of the way you see life. And, and, Um, even in, in terms of the way that a lot of young leaders now are looking at career, they they look at career with a reset button mentality, which is I'll do this for a while. And then if I get bored or I don't like it, then I'll probably just reset and go do something else. Um, and and I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just, I just think that's dangerous potentially though, in terms of faithfulness, um, you know because we we need we need some we need some faithfulness coming out of of people on the team who say again, i'm gonna crush it I'm, even though this is hard, even though this is boring potentially it's mundane i- I gotta be willing to stick with it stick with this is such a huge important habit for especially for young leaders you know they gotta have some some willingness to to see something through.
2: That's a very interesting point. We hope that the audience will have some stick with itness and stick with us for our final segment coming up as we take our last commercial break here on the Work Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris.
0: Today, every business is in the software business, and business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers servers, transmitters, satellites and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today: software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you, turn left ahead, the digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto-drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless, but only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com.
1: Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the work-life balance.
2: And we're back. And you, I, Brad, I can tell you this. I'm going to actually switch gears here for a second, but it. You know when it's been a a fantastic show when you look up and you, you're in your fourth segment and you still feel like you're you're talking in your first segment. So I've I've had an absolute ball talking to you today and appreciate your time, man, for sure. Um, and, well, thanks for having me. And you know, my struggle in in dealing with a lot of the things that I deal with is you know I go through the personal development angle and and you know my leadership angle and and sometimes you feel like the the emperor's got no clothes. Because you still want that personal relationship with your kids. And and so I, I laugh and joke all the time on the show that, you know, if I could find that perfect mix to get, you know, my daughter to to do her chores, then, you know, Wooden and Summit and everybody's got nothing on me.
0: Um, and <laughs> right, <laughs> and so
2: right. so right. what advice do you have, you know, for, for parents sometimes that struggle with, you know, motivating their kids and, and, you know, trying to make sure that they're developing their children into the leaders they hope they would be?
3: Well, I mean, it, I think it really does come back to to uh, a couple of things. One is going back to the authenticity piece, and just the the self awareness, authenticity, um, that constantly under helping family understand. And this is true for kids or spouse or being a son or daughter or uh, a, a sibling. You know, like that. I have your best interests in mind, regardless of what is what is happening, what 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 we're doing. Whether it's that I'm challenging you, that I'm inspiring you, that I'm correcting you, that I'm punishing you, that I'm uh, encouraging you, is that like I want my greatest my greatest goal is for you to flourish. And man, I, I, I learned that from Maxwell. Like the definition of success is that those closest to you are getting the best of you. And sometimes we, you know, we give our kids, we give our spouse, we give our uh, family leftovers. They're they're not, they're getting, you know, they're getting like three day old Chick-fil-A, which still is great. Three day old Chick-fil-A is actually still really good, but you know, we need to be giving them like the, the the best of what we have. And that's hard, you know, because choosing to cheat. You're going to cheat someone. You're going to, you're going to, at the end of the day, you're going to cheat somebody. And that's an Andy Stanley book, which I highly recommend. Uh, and it's an Andy Stanley quote, but you know, you have to choose who you're going to cheat and you don't want to cheat those closest to you. So don't cheat your family, give them the best you have to offer. Give them, don't give them your leftovers and, and start with that sense that I want you to flourish. Um, and you, you just say that over and over, you know, whether it's that word or other words, but that sense of I love you, I'm for you. Uh, everything that we're doing here is t- for your best interest and to make you better. Because um, that's, again, that whether you're a parent and whether you're doing that for your kids or whether you're doing that for your team, I think that's a winning ingredient and a winning equation.
2: I think that's fantastic advice. And would you rate that as some of your best or what do you think is the best advice you've ever been given?
3: Oh, man, I've, I've, I've got so much good stuff that I've, I've been downloaded. Uh, you know, I think in terms of, of, uh, of thinking about leadership at a large and high level, this idea that leadership is influence, that's not really advice. It's just like life perspective, And John Maxwell is the one that, you know, famously said that. I just think it's so important for people to grasp that because when you get a hold of that, that, that it's about influencing people, it's not about position. It's not about hierarchy. It's not about title. It's not about power. It's about influence. Then all of us are truly leaders and all of us can lead from any position and any, any environment. Um, so that's, that's a life message for me. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the greatest, well, probably the greatest lesson I've seen or learned is going back to curiosity and that, um, I had a mentor in my twenties who said, he said two things. He said, he said, ask better questions than anybody else in the room. And then he said, when this was when I was 25 and he was 75, he said, your twenties establish your seventies, Brad. And this was a man who was 75 at the time. He said, the man you want to become when you're at my age at 75 is the man you are becoming at 25. And it was so mind, mind blowing and sort of paradigm shifting for me of of thinking about legacy and, and starting with the end in mind. Um, so that, that, that stands out for me and it's still true even in my forties now. Uh, you know, I'm still saying that my forties established my seventies. I, I, a bunch of our friends, we have something we tell each other constantly. It's BA 75, BA 75, BA 75 better at 75. That's what we're going after. We want to be better men, better leaders, better, uh, you know, husbands, better teammates at 75 than we were when we were 25, 35, 45. Wow.
2: And we've got just a couple of minutes left, but, but how do people get in touch with you, Brad?
3: Yeah, uh, real easy. I'm Brad Lominek on all the outlets. So B-R-E-D, Brad, and then last name Lominek, L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. That is all of my outlets, website, social media, anywhere you can find me. Just Google that name, and you'll find all the outlets.
2: Outstanding. And again, man, we, we certainly appreciate your time. Uh, please look up Brad. Go find him. There's a huge event uh, with, with candidates coming up here uh, in the fall in Atlanta. Um, that If you have young leaders, anybody that you want to be inspired as a young leader, you yourself want to be inspired as a young leader, please check that out. Follow Brad uh, on social media. Um, and, and you yourself will be inspired as I have. Brad, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate you being on the Work-Life Balance, man.
3: Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it, man. Great being on.
2: And uh, next week, um, I, we'll, we'll check on and see what's going on next week. We want to go ahead and wrap up this show, but uh, we'll be in Orlando next week with uh, the, the John Maxwell group. Uh, We've got tons of new stuff coming up, as always, on the Work-Life Balance, and we'll see you right here, same time, same place, next Friday. We'll talk to everybody next time.
1: Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.